As you well know, this is Two Poems Read and Heard. And as you may know, I'm Oren Moore, and I seek to invoke the woe-wow within via two poems built around a theme. Share this with others, especially you teachers out there. I think your students will like this. It's like a cool teacher homework assignment, and you're cool. I know it. FYI, sharing something you like or giving it a positive rating or review for something like this podcast creates a hit of dopamine. Dopamine, yum. Before getting to the poetry proper, I have a couple general announcements about the podcast, its future, and what to look out for from me. For those who want to get directly into the poetry, skip ahead to minute four. While I originally set out to do 16, this is the 14th and final episode of season two. Part of it is simply that this poetry game is hard, dog, and I need a break to focus more on the grit and grind of finishing mini poems I have in progress. I also have other projects that are calling loudly and clearly for action in these days. There is also, too, the fact that, as you may know, I'm into numbers and cycles and seasons, and 14 is very close to one quarter of a year, because 52 divided by 14 is 3.714. This means that this season was the fall season here in the North. Expect season three of Two Poems Read and Heard in the spring of 2022. In the winter and meantime, I will be re-releasing past episodes that will include the same content, except at the end, I will read both poems back to back and for a second time. This allows for another experience with the poems for those so inclined. I plan to experiment with different lengths and vibes for the podcast over the winter. And to that end, I'll do some pods focusing on more comedic poetry. Comedic how? Wrong question. Comedy is or is not. Okay. The keynote is I will not hold to a weekly Tuesday release schedule during this winter. I thank all of you who have listened to the podcast, and especially those who have provided feedback, both positive and critical. Keep it up, and on that note, if you have poets or poems or themes you want featured on this pod, let me know. Honestly, send me an email about anything you want that's not spam. Hashtag connection. Finally, I'm still considering offers in regards to the publishing of my upcoming poetry collection, Broetry, Poetry for the Well-Endowed Man. It's a mix of earnest, accessible poems and also more playful, comedic LOL stuff. Ha ha ha. It's a lot like this pod. Much of it rhymes and none of it is so obtuse that you won't know what the heck I'm writing about. It has a masculine bro bent to it. And I mean this in the most positive of ways. No one is going to take the positive use of the word bro away from us bros. Non-bros try, but they won't succeed. If you or someone you know is in the publishing field and might be intrigued, please do contact me. My email is in the show notes and is twopoemsreadandheard at gmail.com. I'm also available for poetry workshops and readings if that's of interest. Now, on to the poetry. Last episode's theme was war, and one of the big takeaways was the thankfulness I feel for, among other things, not having to go to war. So much can go wrong, be it war or a broken promise, but two, so much can go right in this world. The theme today is thanks. Our first poem today is by W.S. Merwin and is titled, Thanks. In American, Merwin was born in 1927 and died in 2019. He wrote more than 50 books of poetry and prose and won many awards. 
I love, love his poetry. Merwin doesn't use any punctuation in his poems, and neither do I. When I found this out, I had an intellectual orgasm. Merwin explains his decision to eschew punctuation in his poems by saying that it, quote, seemed to staple the poem to the page. Thanks was published in 2005 as part of his poetry collection titled Migration, New and Selected Poems. Thanks. Listen, with the night falling, we are saying thank you. We are stopping on the bridges to bow from the railings. We are running out of the glass rooms with our mouths full of food to look at the sky and say thank you. We are standing by the water thanking it, standing by the windows looking out in our directions. Back from a series of hospitals, back from a mugging, after funerals, we are saying thank you. After the news of the dead, whether or not we knew them, we are saying thank you. Over telephones, we are saying thank you. In doorways and in the backs of cars and in elevators, remembering wars and the police at the door, and the beatings on stairs, we are saying thank you. In the banks, we are saying thank you. In the faces of the officials and the rich, and of all who will never change, we go on saying thank you, thank you. With the animals dying around us, taking our feelings, we are saying thank you. With the forest falling faster than the minutes of our lives, we are saying thank you. With the words going out like cells of a brain, with the cities growing over us, we are saying thank you faster and faster. With nobody listening, we are saying thank you. Thank you, we are saying and waving, dark though it is. Poetry is a literary dance unlike others, because there are no rules, really, except that it has to work. And the bar then, as it should be, is higher for poetry, because there are no rules, no limits of the genre to fall back on or use it as an excuse. Again, this poetry game is hard, dog. Comedy is this way too, ha ha ha. These are my two favorite art forms. Don't worry, all further psychoanalysis will occur off pod. And part of what it means for a poem to work, in this poet's view, is for the poem to be graspable enough that when you get to the end, you're not like, I have no effing idea what this is about. Like, I don't know the topic, the subject. There must be some key reference I'm missing. Maybe something about some ancient Greek god. Like, what the heck just happened? But at the same time, as a reader, you're also not like, why is this a poem? This is very straightforward and should just be in normal sentences. The woe-wow, the beauty, the wonderment of good poetry is finding the space in the golden middle where the reader comes along for the ride that you're driving but is able to see and understand the journey in their own way and perhaps too in a way beyond anything that you as the driver, as the poet, might have imagined. And the journey of the same words may bring different destinations to the different readers, but either way, the trip was a good one, and it doesn't end in some cold, dank cave where the reader is wondering if there's some kind of deeper irony that explains this sorry destination of cold confusion. There are many ways to find this golden mean, 
And there's no step-by-step process for it in some book called How to Write Great Poetry Whenever You Feel Like It. But there are many techniques that the poet can use to find this golden mean between clarity and confusion. Metaphor and simile are the most obvious, perhaps. The elimination of commas, periods, and other non-word markings is, again, another technique that both Merwin and I employ. If you think I'm putting myself in Merwin's class, take it easy, chill. I'm just noting the similarity. If you want to put me in his class, be my guest, and I thank you, but you are too kind. In some ways, it seems Merwin is saying, thank you for reading this. I'm not going to get in the way of your interpretation and lead you with commas and periods. You can figure it out because I'm going to take the time to make it clear enough that it's fun and sounds good even without any periods or commas or, God forbid, a semicolon. It is saying thank you for engaging with my poem and don't let me get in the way any further. Thank you for coming along for the ride. And in a show of my thanks, I will let you see it for yourself without me pointing out what parts of the scenery exactly you should be looking at. With this form of poetry, then, the only tool is line and stanza breaks. This doesn't make poetry writing easier, but perhaps harder, I would say, for this technique of no punctuation has its own risks and drawbacks. The obvious drawback is losing the reader if the line breaks and the language is not intentional enough to keep them on the path of pleasure and at least in the inkling realm of comprehension. And this mirrors the complexities of life that do not exist as sentences, but as a totality of experiences. And into this complexity, W.S. Merwin is attaching the words thanks and thank you. The good ones of real thanks of the first stanza. Quote, We are running out of the glass rooms with our mouths full of food, to look at the sky and say thank you. The in-between gray thank yous of the second stanza, quote, after funerals, we are saying thank you. And the increasingly unwarranted thank yous of the third stanza, quote, in the faces of the officials and the rich and of all who will never change, we go on saying thank you, thank you. And the final fourth stanza, where we seem to be thanking each other for hanging on as we fall apart. With the animals dying around us, taking our feelings, we are saying thank you. With the forest falling faster than the minutes of our lives, we are saying thank you. With the words going out like cells of a brain, with the cities growing over us, we are saying thank you faster and faster. With nobody listening, we are saying thank you. Thank you, we are saying and waving, dark though it is. I will not tell you what this all means or how to react, for I believe you know just as well as I, and for that, I thank you. There's this weird dynamic of so many thank yous, and yet I sense, wrongly I hope, that the deep gratitude and thanks for existence in this world surrounded by cold, empty, oxygenless space, the thanks of the type of Merwin's poem's first stanza, like, quote, we are standing by the water thanking it, 
has been depressed in these times of near all information in the history of the world in the palm of each of our hands and the softening out of the edges of our world through the welcome advancements of civilization. Hashtag indoor plumbing and heating. Yeah. Believe it is the title of the second poem to be read and heard today. It's a poem of thanks that I believe in. Believe it. Hundreds of the songbird songs, mockingbirds learn and sing. Dolphins do ride waves with the sun bouncing off their skin that breaks the turning water. Muscles heal and deep cuts disappear and new love can be found. Sometimes a smile is the only sign within a forest of bursting love. There are rivers that flow so we can swim alone or with another and listen or make love on the smoothed rock in the middle of water. Her brown hair turned darker with the river. Groves of aspens in the Rockies connect underground in the mountain. All the trees making one. We are veins in a leaf in this forest holding these truths that the birds sing clearer than we know. How dark is it? Do you believe it? 